This is Father Aaron with another podcast. This past Sunday, I preached to a group of young people gathered for the Diocese of Jackson Diocese Catholic Youth Conference in Vicksburg, Mississippi. With that in mind, today's homily, while intended for a younger audience, still applies to my listeners of all ages. When we're seeking to live a moral life, we have to ask ourselves what exactly we are required to do and how we are going to accomplish it. In 1910, President Theodore Roosevelt delivered a speech in Paris, which he called Citizenship in a Republic. Now, this speech is often quoted by many later presidents, and it gained its fame because of Roosevelt's masterful contrast of the athlete, who he calls the man in the arena, and the critical onlooker. We don't really have arenas anymore, but we have just passed the Super Bowl. And I'm sure there are a number of people who are listening now that became armchair coaches a few weeks ago when you watched the game. But there's a difference, isn't there, between those who watch, who observe what happens from a safe distance, and those who actually play the game, or who are in the middle of the fight. That was the point of Roosevelt's speech. And so here are his words. He says, It is not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. You know, if you step back and really comb through our gospel and see everything that Christ is laying out for us in the Sermon on the Mount, it's really daunting to consider that Christ really expects us to meet such a high standard. Our Lord chose stupid people to be his apostles, and he knew that his followers in later years, you and me, would be stupid people too. And so when he starts off his sermon in the gospel by saying our righteous deeds need to surpass that of the scribes and the Pharisees, he doesn't leave it there. He goes into 26 separate sections to explain just how exactly we are meant to be better. You see, all through the Old Testament, the people of Israel are falling short of the law. 
the law essentially being the Ten Commandments. And how do we usually understand the commandments? There are a long list of don'ts. Don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't steal, etc. And for the longest time, that's how people understood morality. It's just a list of things that we're not supposed to do. That's probably how a lot of you see morality. Jesus gives us long list of things not to do. He restricts us. He restricts us in 26 different ways in the gospel today. But that sort of approach misses the point entirely. Why is it wrong to murder or to commit adultery or to steal or to lie? Why should we not do these things? Because they're against God's law? Because they break the Ten Commandments? You see, that's not really the point. We shouldn't murder people because they are people. People with dignity, creatures of God Most High, loved by God Most High. Murder breaks charity. It denies the beauty of God's love for even the worst of persons. Choosing not to kill a person because it breaks a rule should be the last consideration that any of us have when considering if we should murder the person sitting next to us in the pew. And that's our Lord's point in the Gospel. He's not really giving us another rule book. He's pointing out to us that all those things that are in the Ten Commandments They aren't going away. But we should avoid those things, not because they are rules, but because they are wrong. And therefore, because they are wrong, everything that surrounds them, that lead us into a place that would even risk us being tempted to do them, we have to rule all those things out. And here enters the athlete, the man in the arena. When we think of morality in the frame of avoiding even those things which can lead us into doing wrong, Then a sort of battle forms, and I'll be the first to admit it, it's a tough battle. But like any battle or any game, it's only going to be won by action and by strategy. Now, no one wins the Super Bowl by buying a ticket. It doesn't matter whose jersey you have on or which side you sit on or who you cheer for or how many blogs you read about the team. At the end of the day, the fans, the crowd, the onlookers, they don't win. The players do. When we're trying to live a holy life, a virtuous life, the only time when we are going to be victorious is when we act. And we can stand back, analyze the situation, know all the rules, but if we don't act, we don't live, we don't defeat evil. So that's my first message for you. Living a Christian life, a holy life, a moral life is possible. Let me say that again. Living a moral life in today's world is possible. It is possible to avoid sin. It is possible to not be tied down by the habitual chain of sin after sin after sin after the same sin. It is possible to win. But you don't win without trying. The moral life isn't a list of don'ts. It's about doing. It's about not avoid, excuse me. It's not about avoiding sin. When all we're trying to do is avoid sin, we're missing the point. Jesus didn't give us freedom so that we can avoid something, right? So we're battling with impurity, with gossip, with anger. The point of the battle is not defeating those things. The point is to do something, to be chaste, to be humble, to be loving. You don't win a game if you only play defense. You have to fight to win. So if you want to be holy... You have to fight to be holy. You have to actually strive to do the deeds. It's not the critic who counts. Okay, so every game needs action and then strategy. What is our strategy in the moral life? 
And this is our Lord's point in the gospel. When we're dealing with living virtuously, we have to cut out everything that makes us weak before sin. And that's going to differ from person to person, isn't it? Every player, every team has a weakness, and the coach knows their weaknesses, and the players know their weaknesses. So what do they do? Give up? No. You strategize. You plan the game. It's a way of playing that prevents those weaknesses from being exploited. Now, our Lord puts it in rougher terms. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Now, we know he's not telling us to literally harm ourselves. But there's a point here. It's not just exaggerated speech. All of us have weaknesses. All of us are susceptible to some temptation in a way that others may not be. Some things, which are perfectly fine and good for other people to do, may present an issue to us. What are those things? Is it our phone, our computer, our social media pages, our friend groups, the things we watch on Netflix, the places we go in our free time? What are the things that give us cause to be tempted? What is your weakness? Now, if you really want to win, it's time you consider that weakness and you cut it off. And yeah, it's going to be hard, especially if it's something that no one else, at least from your perspective, that no one else has an issue with. Maybe everyone else around you has a smartphone, and they don't seem to be having an issue with the sort of access that a smartphone gives, but you do. Or maybe people in your friend group have stronger convictions than you, and so when they're around other people, they avoid the things that other people do, but when you're around them, you fall into the same things every time. Maybe it's time you ask yourself why you always lose when you're in certain circumstances, Because the point is winning, right? It's not avoiding losing. Stop losing. Strategize. What do you have to cut off? What has to change to make you victorious? Because in the end, it's better, even in the Christian life, it's better to try hard and fail than to never try. It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat.
thank you for taking the time to listen in today. If you like what you hear, please go on iTunes and leave a good rating or comment. Also tell your friends and family about it, and visit the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations website for more great content. That's jacksonpriest.com. Jacksonpriest with an S.com. Thank you, and God bless.